0: This is Sarah French and be sure to check out Rootwood and Blind you are listening to without your head.
1: the station of decapitation without your head. I'm Nasty Neal.
2: I'm Treacherous Tristan.
1: We're joined by photographer, film reviewer, interviewer, Emily Black. It's very nice to have you here.
3: Hello.
1: (laughs) Now you're normally interviewing people and from what we understand this is your first podcast interview.
0: It is, it is. I normally do, I did reviews for about 20 years and then I started doing interviews about five years ago. And they're all by email, so it's not even it's not video, it's not audio, it's all in writing. So video is a bit weird to me.
1: <laughs> I'm glad you you're glad you chose without your head for your first. <laughs> one. You'll be, I'll be uphill from here. No. All right. <laughs> so uh, how did you get involved in, you know in, in reviewing movies and interviewing people?
0: Uh, reviewing started about 20 years ago, like I said. Um, I was part of old message boards. Old school. Message I remember those days. days. We, I started, we, started in the.
1: We
3: used I started with- in the
0: Fangoria days, yeah. uh, when it was black text on white background, and there was like six of us. I think that was like ninety nine, <laughs> like something like that. And eventually, we all the, the group grew, and we moved over to the Horror Channel, then Dread Central, then 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 social media happened, so message boards weren't needed anymore, basically. Uh, but while I was on one of those, I can't remember which one um a guy running a website from germany was like we're looking for someone in north america because back then films were still delayed in european releases Mm. to review they were looking for someone to review films in north america for their european website so they'd still have it ahead of everybody but they weren't breaking any kind of embargoes so that's how i was like oh I can do it, and I started doing that reviewing films. They would just basically pay for me to go to the movies, and I went to the movies four times a week and reviewed those films.
1: <laughs> no, was it? A, yeah. I assume it was always horror movies that you were interested in.
0: Mostly, I mean, I'll do whatever, but I technically kind of grew up going to Fantasia because I grew up uh, outside of Montreal and then in Montreal, and when I was uh, let's say fifteen. Fantasia started so I couldn't go until the next year because the ratings up in Canada are a little bit different uh if a film is rated 16 plus don't matter if you bring your mom your grandma your great-grandma you're not getting it until you're 16 right. so I had to wait till I was 16 to go to Fantasia
1: Yeah,
3: that's but how then I, I
0: started 17
1: is here but not too many movies are rated NC-17
0: yeah Quebec doesn't have a, an R rating it's GPG 13 plus 16 plus 18 plus. There's no R, there's no X, there's no NC 17. So it's and it's a little different than here. Like here, if uh, if someone under 16 is caught in a film that's 16 plus or R, it's kind of okay. Like they won't, it, not much is going to happen. In Quebec, there's some pretty crazy fines attached to oh, it. Really? Yeah. So like films like American Psycho and uh, House of a Thousand Corpses were rated 18 when they came out in Quebec, and they carded us when you bought your ticket and at the door of the theater.
1: <laughs> I, my mom or me would have been fined a lot when I was a kid if if we would have had it.
0: <laughs> You wouldn't. The theater is.
1: Right. Yeah. It, yes. I was never carded going to the movies ever until the last – it was the first one. It's happened twice now, and it was like when I was almost 40. It was at uh, – uh, Texas Chainsaw 3D. And then recently the newest Rambo movie carted me. And I was like 43 years
0: old or something. So so, so a 16-year-old employee was told yeah. you card everyone. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we I started reviewing, going to film festivals, and eventually from festivals you make a lot of connections. Yeah. Especially festivals like Fantasia, the genre connections as much as you can even think of <laughs> more than I even figured I would make going to that. And then I started changing, like swapping websites and doing more photography ended up at dread central then idle hands then cinema crazed.
1: So you said uh, 99, like that's uh, I mean, the internet was round obviously, but it wasn't nearly yeah. as big. I got on the internet in 2000. And uh, so how did the, how has the uh, festivals changed over that time?
0: Well, uh, how they change. Cause I went mostly to Fantasia, the Montreal world film festival and a few other locals at the time, the way they've changed. I feel like there's, um, there's an, a better ease of getting international guests and international films. Cause like Fantasia used to be like, just, I think it was like a week or two back in the day. And now it's three weeks long. It's like 24 days. I think yeah. every year. I never did a one.
3: We'd, madness. Did a few times, yeah. I
0: normally do like nine days a year now in 2017 i did all 24 days and that's not something you should do (laughs) like you're just exhausted at the end of the festival because we're not we're not just going to have fun like the public does yeah like we have work (laughs) so it's a lot of work yeah so gone to a lot of those moved to california now i have to fly back when i want to go and i go to the california stuff now instead
1: yeah, longest one I've been to was 10 days uh, with, at the time, Jason Mitten, who did our reviews at the time. So he did all the reviews and I did the interviews. But uh after 10 days, I was like, you're like delirious from watching like 10 hours of movies a day.
0: Yeah. Festival like Fantasia, like on weekdays, they start around dinner time and they play up until about midnight. But after that, everybody goes to the pub for three, four hours. <laughs> so, and then you go to bed. And then in the morning, you have to yeah, get up because the press, the press stuff is at like 8.30 in the morning. <laughs> so you do that, and then you do that again every day. It's, it's a lot of work.
1: Krista, yeah. uh, <laughs> uh, do you have a question? I know you did an interview with uh, Emily, but as we found out, it was uh, through email.
2: Right, yeah. Emily was uh, gracious enough to include me in her uh, Women in Horror movement for Cinema Craze. And I, I'm wondering if you can talk more about Cinema Crazed for people that don't know.
0: Well, we're um, we're one of the slightly smaller websites because we're there's three of us <laughs> basically. Uh, Felix is the owner, and he does a lot of the reviews. He reviews most of the major releases. So if you think mainstream superhero, the big tentpole films, that's all his usually. And then there's me, and I do mostly film festivals and independent films. So I get a lot of films the screeners that I watch at home. Uh, I had to give myself like a good setup because otherwise you go nuts watching all that stuff on your computer. Um, And we have Phil Hall, who takes care of um, harder to find films. He's got like his own thing that he does where um, films nobody's heard of, that kind of stuff. He'll all write big pieces on them. That's just the three of us. Occasionally, we'll have guests well guests <laughs> helpers, if you will like uh, uh jeremy knox occasionally will send in a, a piece here and there and we had for a little while we had tomas navarro that a friend of mine that helped if we went to a festival together me and him and um the, the big film of the fest i'd already reviewed it <laughs> he would make a review as well so that we could review it as part of the festival that we were attending
1: now did the three of you uh, know each other before uh cinema craze
0: I knew Felix from the old message boards. Okay. <laughs> yeah. That's like that weird little family through the message boards.
1: Well, in- interestingly enough, when we started without your head in 2006, uh, the-, the guy started with uh, John was well, me, Troy and Troy's my brother and John, I met on, on message boards too. So I know the-, the message board days. I think the without your head message board is still around somewhere, but there's no links to it. So I'm not sure how you access it, but huh. Maybe I should find them. Maybe there's still, like, leftover people there. So, maybe
0: there's four people having crazy conversations in the there. La- really the last
1: which re- really was probably <laughs> at, at least six, maybe even longer years ago. Uh, there was, like, honestly, three or four people that were still there and having conversations with themselves. So it was cool.
0: Oh. As long as they're having yeah. fun. <laughs>
1: yeah. I tried to get them to, to come over to the Facebook, but they were all very anti-social media. So hopefully they still listen somewhere. Uh, Chris, do you have another question?
2: Yeah, I sure do. So uh, I've been admittedly sort of uh, ignorant to the art of film criticism, I think, in the past, um, because I, I'm an artist, so I, I've always come at it from sort of a defensive point of view, just like assuring my other creative friends that the critics don't know what they're talking about. <laughs> uh, but I've recently, only recently, become very interested in how integral it is because I feel like with so much content and, and with the advent of all of the accessibility on the internet, a lot of people just go to Rotten Tomatoes and they look at the number and then they choose. Uh, how to watch something. And I'm worried that is something like people really uh, committing this kind of time to write these thoughtful essays on film. uh, There's something that's getting lost there, right? So only recently I've come around to really think this is so important and um, exciting and I'm worried about losing it. Can you talk about that for a a, a minute? You know much more than I do about it.
0: it's, it's hard to explain because like I've been doing it for so long. It just is kind of thing. Um, I feel like as a film reviewer, you have to understand film a little bit. So, you know, like go to film talks. I've done a lot of those, like when there's master classes at film festivals, I'll attend those even though I don't plan on making a movie ever. I just want to know how they're made. And I grew up reading Fingoria magazine. So like I read that religiously, like, sorry, mom, dad bought it for me every month, even though I wasn't allowed. (laughs) Uh, But my parents were separated and my mom didn't want me to read February and my dad would just pick it up for me. So (laughs) I read it every month. I learned a lot. At one point I considered going into special effects, Um, didn't do it. I'm allergic to most of the materials. (laughs) <laughs> uh, but I learned a lot about how it works. So as a reviewer, I feel it's important to know how it works. So, you know, like I know the difference like between a micro budget film and, and a Marvel film, like there's probably things that won't let a Mar- Marvel film get away with. Okay. If your framing is bad and you had that much money to go back and redo it, why didn't you? But if your framing's a little off and you had zero budget, I'm probably just not going to talk about it. Like It's like, you do what you can with your budget. And and yes, films need to be like judged kind of evenly, but you have to consider where it comes from too. Like if it's someone's first short film, there's no reason in completely destroying it unless they ask. Because that's happened to me. I've had people send me their movie and be like, please go through it and destroy it and tell me everything that's wrong. And it's like, okay, I will. But... It's as for my review for me. I know some film reviewers, not a lot, very few, but some love being negative. I don't see the point. Like, if the acting's bad, I'll just make a teeny tiny paragraph about the acting and then I'll concentrate on like the special effects that were great. There's always something in the film that's good. I'm still going to say the film was not interesting if it wasn't. Like, if it put me to sleep, it put me to sleep. That just is. But there's some things that are not as important and shouldn't be like, they should learn from it. Yes. But I'm not as worried about what would be more important in a big, big, big budget in a tiny budget. And most of what I review is the smaller budget stuff. Like when one of the PR people this week told me, Oh, this was just like a $1.6 million movie. It's like, that's the most expensive movie I've reviewed in months. So. it's different it's it's every film reviewer has their own way of doing it personally i don't i don't believe in making it super negative but as a rotten tomato approved person if it's bad i do have to mark it as rotten if it's good or it's good it's just that i always try to find something at least one thing good in the film and there's always at least something that was done right
1: yeah i noticed that that is a problem with some uh people who review films they'll like you said they'll review them on the same level um exactly what you're saying so if you say something you know that you can improve on the story or the acting or something like that that's something anyone on any budget could do but obviously if you're saying this looks uh, inexpensive if they made it for ten thousand, they know that so of course they could they would love to just go out and get two million dollars to make their movie but that's not going to happen but they can improve you know in other ways that they don't need a lot of money to improve on And it's it's always weird to me, too, because I think the people on websites, you think that they would have a love for uh, independent horror movies to even want to write about them in the first place.
0: Yeah. And I think that's the thing at Cinema Craze. Like I've been told by filmmakers, oh, I read your website because like you guys actually take the time to watch our movies. (laughs) It's one of those things, too. Some websites just don't have the time. It's not that they don't want to. There's so much out there that they have to nitpick. We don't necessarily get early access to Disney movies. And, or films like that. And I don't think we need to, because there's other stuff out there for us to review that fits more with what people read on our site, anyways. Like we know, we know which reviews get the most hits. <laughs> we know that for some reason, every time we review um, a film from India, our our numbers spike. Oh
3: really?
0: Like okay, then give me more. I'll I'll watch more of them. Because to me, they're just. It, also, to me, it doesn't matter what language they're in. As long as the film is good, the film is good. Mm-hmm. I know some folks don't want to watch anything with subtitles, which I think they're doing themselves a disservice because there's so much out there that they're not watching. That's a good
1: thing about the rise of uh, the streaming sites is uh, we get to see a lot of movies that we wouldn't have been able to see otherwise, unless you went to festivals or something. But, you know, at home, you wouldn't be able to see all these movies from other countries. But now with Shudder and things, a lot more pop up.
0: Yeah, and they have seem to have made an effort in the last year because nothing's get- nothing big is getting produced right now, it feels like. Like, there is some, but it's not as much as normal because of the pandemic. So, they're forced to look at other sources. And I've noticed, like, Netflix is a lot more French content suddenly, which for me is fun. Because I speak French, <laughs> but it's also fun because it's stuff like they're they're getting movies from Quebec shown in the U.S., which is not something that used to be normal at all. And now people just watch them randomly because it's on Netflix.
1: Mm-hmm. Was there any specific? I know you said you read Fangory, but was there any specific uh, reviewers that you liked, uh, critics that you liked that made you want to do that?
0: Not necessarily. I know that sounds bad, but like. I read a lot of magazines, like a lot, a lot. And that's a lot also how I learned my English <laughs> through reading and TV and movies and watching stuff and having to look words up because I had no idea what they were talking about. <laughs> and of course, like people like Tony Timpone and my add an influence because I read Fangoria so much. But I also read a lot of uh, Premier magazine from France, not the American one, the French one. Cause my auntie had a subscription. So when she was done with them, they were mine. <laughs> um, as a, as a 13 year old, it's about the only way you get a lot of magazines is somebody else just sending them to you. So like, oh, I read a lot about. Film and,
1: and monster magazine was uh, my brother got them and he's nine years older.
0: So. Yeah. I only have younger siblings, so they weren't about to give me their magazines. <laughs> my sister is three years younger, but my brother is 14 and a half years younger. So <laughs> If anything, we influenced him a little bit, <laughs> but not that much the other way around, because I moved out. He was four.
3: Right.
0: Uh, it's one of those things like, yeah, in terms of like specific film reviewers, like I don't really remember the names of the people that premiered back in the 90s. That was a long time ago. And now, like, I know I've read a lot. I read a lot on websites like Fangoria, Dread Central, what whatnot, like all of them. But a lot of the time, to me, it's more about reading about the specific film than the specific person. And of course, having worked at Fangoria, uh, not Fangoria, I'm sorry, (laughs) Dread Central, I didn't work at Fangoria. I wish I had. Uh, But at Dread Central, I knew everybody on the team. So it wasn't necessarily like they weren't like these reviewers that I read. There were these people that I had brunch with on Sunday. So (laughs) it was a little bit different reading their opinions. And then we'd talk about it. And then other stuff about the films would come out because there's stuff you just don't write. (laughs) That comes out in conversations. And the same with like um, going to conventions and festivals. You meet them and we talk about films. And sometimes you don't necessarily have the time to read as many of them as you would like. But I love discussing film with like... um, why am I blinking on this last <laughs> name? Jason from uh, CTV in Canada. I hang out with him at Fantasia a lot. So we discuss films a lot. Didi Dee Dee Crimmins, like people like that. Cause we all hang out at the fests, like with Izzy Lee and, and Mo and Michaud, who's a filmmaker, but she always has these great ideas about the films that she just saw. And I hang out with people like Heather Buckley that she, she's got a lot to say about all the movies. So, <laughs> it's like, it's not just reviewers. It's a lot of, folks like when you go to festivals it's a mix of folks that review that make films and that love films and the discussions get really interesting there
1: uh trusty another question
2: do you have a favorite horror film just one <laughs> you can you can name a couple we have some
0: <laughs> just one uh, No fines involved if you only okay so uh i'm a big big fan of brotherhood of the wolf the pack de Watch that like twice a year. I try not to watch it more because I feel like I need to watch more movies that I haven't seen than keep rewatching the same stuff. But like that one, like I'll watch it twice a year, probably every year. Um, Nightmare on Elm Street. I love the whole series, even though they're super flawed the further along you go. But the first one is fantastic. And then after that, it's just fun to watch what Robert Englund did with Freddie as he went along, basically. Like... You can see that he was trying to evolve, like evolve. Sorry, the word uh, evolve it, without making it exactly the same all the time. So that's interesting to me, like because that's I love slashers and Freddy is really interesting to me because except for one, it was the same man all along. And when you watch the other slashers, it's often different actors. So the different takes come from the fact that it's different people. In that series, the different takes all come from the same guy. So to me, that's, that's something that's always been interesting. And also because Freddie scared me so bad when I was a kid, (laughs) like really, really, really bad. Like just a poster at the video store was enough to make me like walk away. Like, (laughs) no, and now it's one of my favorites. And another one that I always tell people to find and watch because it's completely insane. It's ridiculous. It makes no sense. It's all over the place. I love it. It's Bloody Mallory from France.
1: Hmm. I'm not seeing that. You know.
0: I have her tattooed on my rib cage. Like, I love it that much. But it's the weirdest film you'll ever watch. <laughs> like It's like, what am I watching? Why is this so good? This shouldn't be this much fun. Why? And then you end it and you're like, yeah, I'm going to watch it again. <laughs>
1: I'm writing it down here. And then.
0: Yeah, you really sold that. Wow. <laughs>
1: So, no Freddy tattoo, this Bloody Mallory. Yeah, I do. Oh, okay.
0: Yeah, my side is uh, Ripley, Lady Snowblood, Bloody Mallory, a stormtrooper, Freddy, and Jason.
3: Oh. We're
0: adding to it once, you know, I can go out and get a tattoo again.
1: Yeah. So instead of a sleeve, you have a ribcage of. uh,
0: Yeah. uh, Yeah, because I work in a corporate environment. Right. right. (laughs) So I don't have a choice. Like, I'm not sure. A Freddy Krueger tattoo with his claws in front of his face. <laughs> Super well-viewed in an office environment.
1: Yeah, well, the It's like there's no more uh, message boards. Uh, the tattoos are probably a little more uh, lenient.
0: Yeah, they, they're getting more lenient. But, you know, since the T-shirt is not appropriate, I don't think the tattoo <laughs> would be either. <laughs>
1: sure. True. So uh you said uh your mom wouldn't let you uh read Fangoria and everything. Once you started uh you know you have a website and you started uh writing about them. What does she think of
0: that? Honestly, I don't know. Huh? I still don't know. She doesn't I don't think she reads we have her online online. Yeah. No. I don't think she reads any of my reviews. Um I'm not sure. It's the horror movies are not her thing. At Has all. she seen your ribcage? <laughs> She's seen part of it. <laughs> she hasn't seen all my tattoos yet, but she knows there's a lot. <laughs> um, she knows there's all kinds of things going on there because I also have <laughs> you like, my your shirt, shirt on, on, Emily. <laughs> I'm not taking it off. Don't worry, nobody <laughs> wants it. Uh, but I have the other side of my ribcage done with flowers, and I have um, camera films camera film rolls on my uh wow. screen. so yeah <laughs> i may have traumatized my parents
1: so. <laughs> <laughs> i like the well, contrast think
0: that's cool. <laughs> yeah, definitely.
1: i like the contrast flowers on one side and freddie on the other side
0: it makes sense to me at least
1: yeah 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 it was bloody mallory was yeah. it all right yeah i'm making sure i wrote it down right <laughs> I've not heard. I'm not even heard of that one. Very. It's a
0: little hard to find. So let me know if you can't find it.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, I'll do my best to find it. So uh, this last year has been strange. So uh, without the actual festivals to go to, what's this been like? Are you be doing the virtual festivals?
0: Some, uh, most of them. I've not actually applied for a press online. I did for Fantasia because I wanted access to their press library. But most of the festivals, I was able to get a lot of films directly through the film PRs, like I normally do anyways. So most film festivals have their own PR, but every film has its own PR as well, usually unless they're a very, very small budget film. And, And those will send screeners or screener offers into your inbox. Like I get probably 40 a week. I don't review 40 films a week, but I have to go through those and be like, this one, not that one, maybe this one, put that one on the side if we have more time, Like, and then what I request it, What
1: them. goes into that, uh, your decision what to review and what not to?
0: It's hard to tell. It's like the pitch of the PR person will make a difference. Which sometimes also,
1: is good. So, I mean, sometimes they could oversell a movie and sometimes – yeah yeah
0: and and eventually as a film reviewer you get to know who oversells their films
1: and who undersells their films we're doing the interview i know that too. yeah
0: and there's also like um i have friends that are programmers at film festivals so i hear like oh this movie is so good so when that film comes through as a pr pitch it's like well i'll take it (laughs) like or this is so weird it's like okay i definitely want that one because if it's weird, you got me. Because, like, I don't know how many tales of a teenager finding themselves I've seen in the last three years. Like, find me something else. Like, get me get me something else. I'm not saying they're all bad, but eventually they start to sound the same. <laughs> and the pitches all sound exactly the same. So it's hard to tell which one's going to be good.
1: Right. Yeah, I just from uh, doing the show, I always think uh, if it's something that's, like, clearly just almost like they made a movie to make a movie, even if it's technically well done. That's probably like the most, the least thing I'm interested in. And if something, even if it's technically not the greatest, if you tell like, you could tell like either they had fun making it or they had something they wanted to do with it. Uh, to me, that's much more interesting.
0: Yeah. And, and you know, when you get 40 different movies coming through your inbox a week, sometimes I'll also, I'll also look at who wrote it, who directed it, cast, because some actors always pick good movies. Good scripts, so when those names show up, you get, you go, oh yeah, I'm gonna go with that one. Or some actors just go for the oddest things they can find, mm-hmm. and when their names pop up, you're like, oh yeah, I want that because if that's not good, it's gonna be weird.
1: Be interesting, yeah.
0: Yeah, <laughs> so it's it's eventually you get used to that also, and and of course, like some PR houses send more stuff, some send less stuff. Some will straight up send a movie and be like, watch it. If you like it, you like it. If you don't, you don't. If you want to review it, you review it. Because they know, they know that at the end of the year, we usually, we didn't last year because last year was just too weird. <laughs> but usually at the end of the year, we do like the 10, our 10, 10 favorite films of the year. And, and some of those are films we didn't review. But if they, in December, a lot of PR people will send more movies so that we can get around to watching everything we missed which makes December a crazy month. <laughs> I know
1: uh, also from doing the show, like, cause you know, we watch a lot of movies too. That's sending. And if you watch a lot of stuff that you might not be into, it does make the stuff that stands out or that you like, like really stand out more because it's like, yeah. you'd be watching a bunch of stuff and it's like, eh, whatever. And then like, Whoa, this one's like really cool. It makes you want to tell everybody.
0: Yeah. And, and you also learn eventually stuff that's just not going to be for you.
1: Right. That's a that's a good point, too, I think, for reviewers, because even if you personally don't like it, there, it might still be for somebody else. Like there's movies I think everyone's seen that you, I personally didn't like, but I know it's a good movie. I wouldn't say it's a bad movie. It's just it wasn't for me, like you said.
0: Yeah, like romance films. I can't. I just can't. <laughs> to me, they're all bad. They're not like my sister loves that stuff, but I can't. Like nothing against Nicholas Sparks, just not for me, was not made for me. And those movies, I'm sure people that love them, love them. I just get bored every time I watch them. So it's, I feel like it's not fair if I review it because I go into it knowing that I'm just going to be bored. Right, but I, That's not fair.
1: I always think of it's almost like uh, if you don't like red onions or something and like you'd give a a, a red yeah. onion pizza a bad review or something with red onions a bad review. It's like, well, you personally don't like red onions doesn't mean the food is bad.
0: Yeah, exactly. It's the same with film. Like it's the same with art in general like cuz as a film reviewer and also do photography. <laughs> my photography is probably not everybody's cup of tea. Like I know some folks are not going to like it. Like I know my mom is not about to want one of my prints of somebody with an eye turning into an alien <laughs> on her living room wall, but she'll probably That's want my my Eiffel Tower print. Like it's, it's the same with films. It's the same with food. It's the same with everything.
1: Oh, you want to talk about your photography? How, uh, when did that come about? Was that before or after uh, the review? Uh, I
0: think I've always done photos. <laughs> like, like, Give me a camera and I'll take pictures. When I was a kid, they weren't badly framed. They were blurry. They were junk. Because <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know what I was doing. Um, in ice, high school or so? No, before high school like around maybe 12, 13. One of my aunties taught me a little bit more about photography because she was a photographer. She passed away when I was 13. So that's why I know it's around then that I that I learned that. And then in high school, I started traveling with my own camera and traveling without my parents, but with the school. So you, it's so exciting when you're 16 to go somewhere out of the country without your mom. Uh, And and I took like the first trip was New York City and I took something like five rolls of film in five days. (laughs) Crazy kid that took pictures of everything. And looking back now, it's like, there's maybe four good pictures in there. (laughs) But I took a lot of pictures and I learned that way. And then around the same time, I started going to concerts a lot and I started doing concert photography. And that I found out I was good at it even when I didn't like the band. (laughs) So if I had to go see a concert with my sister and my cousin, they wanted to see a certain band. I went with them. I took pictures. I was able to sell those pictures. Oh, hey. And then when I started doing um, film festivals as a reviewer, I also did photography because there's a lot of Q&As. And for those, it's actually kind of hard to shoot because the lighting is not always ideal. They move and they don't, I don't pay attention to you they do when you're doing the red carpet stuff they'll look straight at you but when they do the q a you, you know, Uh, uh-uh. like they're doing their thing and to get good pictures out of that was something else and then i started doing convention coverage uh, when i worked for dread central they sent me to everything that was around here and i did a couple in texas with them we flew to texas in winter that was a fun one but we worked a lot of conventions i did a lot of photography and they published it usually along with like an event report like a review of the event if you will with a full gallery eventually galleries got less popular so they stopped doing that um because everybody posted everything on social media so nobody would go to the website specifically for convention photos anymore and then i started doing my own portrait stuff so that's where, that's where I started having a lot of fun. Like I get to book people because I've done, I've done festival and conventions for so long that I know a lot of people. And a lot of those folks are folks that other people want to see pictures of. <laughs> so, you know, I was able to reach out to like, say, Tiffany Shepis and do a photo shoot with her. So that was great. Like we did a photo shoot in the woods. She was like a grown up Snow White, you know, that kind of stuff. I, I got to shoot with Nick Principe. I asked him and he was oh, down, so he was it uh, was my big bad wolf in another photo shoot um, that we did here in San Diego, weirded everybody out at the park. <laughs> and then like it started growing from there. Like I do a lot with models, because some stuff it doesn't necessarily need to be someone who's recognizable because if their face is fully covered, there's no point. <laughs> and so I do a lot with models, local models to San Diego and Los Angeles. Uh, we did like a Lady Krampus one year. We do, um, I have one coming up, like one of my models who's also a film director, um, starting film director, Jamie Farding with uh, Savage Zach Production. She's super awesome. And she just got a clawfoot tub. And I was like, oh my God, you have a clawfoot tub. She's like, yes. I'm like, can we put blood in it? <laughs> like, <laughs> and, and that's probably going to happen. Like we do that kind of stuff. And then I book other people like um, this year's calendar because that's the goal is to have a book in the end of it all. So every year I publish a calendar as in this is what we did this year. There's 14 pictures for you guys, cause 12 months front cover, back cover. Uh, This year's year's one like made me super happy to get her. (laughs) Like nerded when I pulled up into her driveway, I kind of lost it for five minutes. And then I was like, get yourself together. You're a professional. And then we spent two hours doing photos with Cynthia Rothrock. So (laughs) that was a big deal to me. I know she's not genre at horror, but she still played with weapons for us. And she's an action actress. Like as a kid of the 90s, she was the one lady who kicked behinds like in nobody's business. So getting her was fantastic. And now we're working on, well, I say we because I have a photo assistant that I work with. We're working on getting this year's calendar started soon, shooting, but with the pandemic, it's really hard (laughs) because you have to be safe. You have to make sure your models feel safe. You have to make sure the location is safe. (laughs) And so we don't announce who's in the calendar ahead of time until the photos are done. That way, if someone has to back out, you know, they don't look like they backed out basically. And also I don't look weird for saying, hey, we had that person and then we don't. So we only announce them after they're done. What we do is on the day of the shoot, we do like a family selfie. And then we post that on social media as a teaser, like, hey, look who that is. (laughs) So hopefully we'll get some good ones because in the past we got Cynthia Rock, Adam Green, Tiffany Shepis, Nick, and um, a few other local San Diego folks that most people don't know, but out in San Diego. People that are in the uh, independent film scene in San Diego all know them. So those folks, some of them are coming back this year because got got to shoot at home as much as we can right <laughs> right now. So hopefully we'll get some really great cover person. So if anybody wants to do it, <laughs> right? Yeah. If anybody wants How to would get they covered, contact
1: in you if they did want to do it. I'm sorry. How would they contact you if they were interested?
0: Facebook, Instagram. Uh, Facebook is under my name, Emily, IE, at the end. Black Instagram is E-M-Y-B photo. Super simple. That's my Twitter as well. That's like, I try to use it for everything. Like my website is the same name with dot com. That's why I use that name because it was available on all of them. (laughs) So I was able to grab it on all the platforms at the same time. So I didn't have to worry about rebranding on every social media.
1: Right. And uh, if they were interested in the calendar too, where would they find information on that?
0: Uh, on social media, usually. Except we sell, we pre-sell in October, and right now I do have extras left, but we're almost four months into it's the year,
3: weird, well, yeah. so it's
0: a little bit, it's a little bit odd. But if somebody wants one, just let me know. We can figure something out. Wait, I just want to collect li- it. Yeah. You might like one. We'll we'll get you one. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> There, I I got a few left, because what I do is always print more than I need, because then when I approach people to do photos, I can show them what we actually do, as opposed to, because when you approach people at conventions, a lot of people do that. A lot of people do that. But I approach them with, you've met me before. I've covered your work. (laughs) Here's what I do. Would you like to participate? And also never assume anybody works for free, because that's lame. Mm-hmm. so never ever assume anyone works for free and then you know you start on you start a conversation and then we trade contact info or social media handles and talk about it and eventually set something up and do a shoot and cover people you love in blood and goo and all kinds of fun stuff
1: <laughs> exactly so uh, i did you have another question
0: do you
2: have any advice for someone who might aspire to a similar career as yours, um, regarding photography, uh, writing? Uh,
0: you do so many things.
1: Covering people in goo and blood.
0: Yeah, the, well, to cover people in goo, goo and blood, like just do it, just do it. You'll see, you'll <laughs> okay. love it. Uh, just find someone who's willing. Have them sign a, a release form too, because you don't want you want, you don't want no problems. <laughs> always get release form signed. That's like my one thing from my photography, one of my photography teacher that shot for the, he worked for the San Diego Chargers, but he was also a photo teacher. Um, He he said, just get your contracts done, get your release form done when you're a photographer, because you need that to be able to publish. If you do it on your own uh, with friends, still get it. Because five years down the line, they could get mad. You could get into an argument, still get it. For me, one of my models passed away. So unfortunately, I can't ask him anymore if he wants to be published. But he signed off on it when we shot it. So we're able to still publish, although I feel a little bit weird about it. But my friends told me not to and just get them published anyways. Um, Get your stuff in order. Learn about it. Learn about the the logistical stuff, but also learn about the legal stuff for photography. Because on photography shoots, accidents can't happen but get covered first. In film reviews, well, the only thing I say is watch movies and write about them and read other reviewers because you'll see there's kind of like a recipe. Everybody has their own way. Like mine follows, uh, my reviews always follow a certain order for things. Like I start about what's the story, who wrote it, who's in it, and then other things like if the cinematography is really great, I'll talk about that. If there's special effects, I'll talk about that because you want to keep it like under – 900 words probably people give up. People won't read you if it's too long. They just scan over it, read the, read the ending and move on or just go, I didn't. no, that's too much. So nowadays, like a, a 1500 word review, good on you, but most folks are not going to read it. So you have to know, also know your film, watch a ton of film. Don't just watch what you're interested in. Because like, I love slashers. I've always loved slashers. I love action films, but I'll watch other stuff too. I know that I don't watch a lot of romances because they don't work for me. But then again, like you get films like Spring, take technically a romance mm-hmm. with other weirdness happening at the same time, which works for me. And like when they sold Shaun of the Dead, they sh- sold it as a zombie rom-com, a zombie romantic comedy. But that, that works for me. But that doesn't work for everybody. But watch a lot of stuff and watch stuff from before your own time. Watch older movies. You have to know where things came from. You have to know that, you know, scary films didn't start in 2010. (laughs) Like, they were part of the very first films ever made. So go look for those. Netflix is a bunch of that. Go look for all of those older films. You might not be super into it, but watch them while you fold laundry. Learn something. Read about films. Find magazines like Fangoria and Scream Magazine and whatnot and read those. See what other people are doing. And it's the same in anything. Like, Look at what people are doing and what's working and see what you're doing and what's working and what's not working for you. For me, like I used to write these long pieces, these ridiculously long pieces, and there was no point to it because people don't read the whole thing. So you have to learn to get into what your website wants. And every website has their own demands. I'm lucky that Felix at Cinema Craze just lets me do whatever I want. <laughs> but that's because I've been doing it for so long. Uh, when we brought Tomas on for a few films, he would send me the reviews. I would reread them. And then I would send them to him and be like, hey, how about you talk about this as well? Or can we cut that, that paragraph out? Can you rewrite this bit? But being that I've known him for, I hadn't known him for so long, um, it was easy for me to communicate with him. Like, be open too, because your website owner or whoever brought you in will have comments on your first reviews. And probably for a while, they will have comments for you. I don't take it personally. They know what people want to read because they know which reviews, which articles, which piece have hits, and they know which ones don't. So, you may start your own blog and do whatever you want, but at a certain point, you have to consider your readership. If nobody's reading you, but doing it for yourself is cool. And if that's what you want to do, do it. But you if you want to be read, you have to offer something people want to read, basically. And also, like, as a reviewer, respect the film. Like, I've seen some reviewers, and I know of some reviewers, and I won't name them because that's not my style, that download their movies. Don't do that. Don't do that. PR people are glad to help you. That's their job. That's their job to get reviews. So if you're with a website or you have your own website, start reaching out to PR people. You don't need to download nothing. Like don't download, just go to the movies. Right now it's a little hard to go to the movies, but like when the theaters are open, if you don't have any PR contacts, when the PR theaters are open, go to that Friday one. Like if you work until five, there's probably a, a screening at 5.30. Go to your screening, and by midnight, you can have your review. And you'll still be at about the same time as everybody else by a few days. It's not its not that bad. Like, make your name that way. Make good reviews. Be good about it and reach out to people online. Don't be afraid to tweet people. They'll tweet back. Oh, they'll ignore you. Worst can happen. They'll, they'll ignore you.
1: That's what I've always uh, told people <laughs> to ask me about how to get guests. I always say, like, yeah. The worst they could say is no. We're not reply at all. So it's the uh, same
0: with my photography. I just approach them and talk to them. I show them what I do, and they say yes, or they say no, or they say maybe. Like it's the maybe is usually a no. The the straight up no's. I'd rather get a straight up no than a maybe, and then ignore me. Just tell me you're not interested. Uh, I
3: yeah. Let
0: me let let me not worry about you. (laughs) But you'd be surprised how many people will help you if you just ask nicely.
1: I think that's uh, a uh, sound advice, a good advice. When you were saying earlier about, like, um, doing the reviews, if, there's a, if it's a director, an actor, whatever, that you know, like, picks roles you like, is there any, uh, something you can name that, like, you know if they're involved in something, you're going to watch it?
0: Okay. I will always take any Scott Adkins film that comes my way. Because good or bad. The men's fight scenes are always excellent. So even if the film is terrible, because yeah, there's been a few that the movie was really boring, the action sequence are always good. So he's like my action go-to. And like for a while there, I would always take like, um, well, I still do always take uh, Brie Grant's films, either as a writer, director, actress, all of it as it's at least interesting. You will watch something of interest. None of it, not all of our films have a big budget. Doesn't matter. She does good stuff. Like there's there's people like that. And it's pretty easy to know, like uh, easily does mostly short films. And yeah, don't be shy about watching short films. Short films are good. Short films are good. And they're all over the place on Vimeo, on YouTube, on people's own websites.
1: Especially now, it used to be yeah. hard to find short films unless you were at the festival. But now there's a lot of platforms where you, you can watch them.
0: Yeah. It's not hard. And that's why we do roundups on the website. We do roundup reviews because a short film, it's harder to make a long review because there's not as much going on. So we do like these little block reviews. They're like, they get about 300 words a piece. And we do like four or five of them in one article with a picture from each of them, if we can get a picture. So like easily is one of them that I always go for because our films are weird and I love it. Like there's always something that you're like, wait what? And like I know you guys know her, like Sofia Cassiola and Michael Epstein. Like their films are fun. Sometimes they're weird. <laughs> Most of the time they're they're weird, but that's why you watch them because like there's always something to say in their films. Like you're not gonna waste your time.
1: I might <laughs> even be in a couple. I know.
0: I know you might be. You might be. Um, I don't think I've reviewed one that you were in yet. So that means they haven't sent it to me yet. (laughs) But yeah, people send me short films all the time. And if you make films, Cinema Crazy has a little send us your film box on the right hand side. Send it that way. Don't send it in our um, DMs on social media because if you're not our friend, it can end up in that other folder and it can sit there with the weirdos. Because trust me, there's weirdos. Every week I have to go clear out the weirdos. And, and you'll sit there for a while with the weirdos getting ignored because there's photos I never want to see sitting in there right now every single week. So once your, your job is in the public eye, people send you a lot of stuff. So if you send it through the website, we know it's a film.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> and we'll look at it and we'll be like, okay, there's a movie in there. <laughs> like, not, yeah.
1: Well, interesting because I, I was thinking if you if you had advice for – because you, you know, uh, Trist asked for advice uh, for other people who wanted to do reviews. But do you have advice for independent filmmakers? You know, of some ways to get your movie out there. Because I well, know some great uh, stuff, but uh, some people aren't good at like uh, posting their movies on IMDb or there's no. Yeah. There's no so get an IMDb or anything. Yeah.
0: Get an IMDb account. Get a Facebook page for it. Get an Instagram for it. Some folks love TikTok. I will admit, I've not been on there because I'm a photographer and not a video maker. So there's no real point for me to get in there. I feel like, I mean, I should probably look into it, but right now there's just too much other stuff. Um, Get yourself involved with film festivals. Look into them though first. There's a lot of film festivals out there. They all have a Facebook page. They all have a Twitter. They all have an Instagram. But look into them because not all of them are real. Some of them will charge you fees and you'll never hear about, about them again. So if you're not sure, look at what movies they've played before. Talk to other filmmakers, because there's plenty of filmmakers out there, and I haven't met one yet that was mean. So, no, I haven't. I was like, I might have. No, there was (laughs) one that was mean at a festival, but I didn't meet him. So it doesn't count. Mm -hmm. Uh, He was mean to the crowd, so I decided not to meet him. Uh, I was like, nah, no time for you, dude. Uh, But like, look into festivals, apply to film festivals, but also know which ones to spend on. Because film festivals, like the major ones, the Scream Fest, Fright Fest, Fantasia, they're great to get picked up by distributors, but they get thousands of films a year. So your first, first short film may or may not get picked. I mean, if it's excellent and amazing and insane, they'll take it. They will take it. But like, look into the festival so that they match what you're offering. So if you have a sci-fi film, send it more to a sci-fi fest. If you have a horror film, send it more to a horror fest. Because, like, you know, the Latino Film Festival of San Diego is probably not going to take your film if you're not Latino. (laughs) It's pretty simple. Like, look into them. Don't just willy-nilly send them. Also, don't willy-nilly request waivers of fees. Because I've seen film festivals complain about that because it happens so much. Also, like, if you don't plan on getting it into film festival. Upload it to Vimeo or YouTube. Get a page for your production company and upload your stuff on there. And then share it and go online and find groups. Facebook has filmmaker groups. Share it in there. Get get comments. Get comments. Don't take them personally. Some of them will hate your film. That's just how it is. Some folks will hate everything. Some folks will hate your film just for reasons that don't necessarily make sense to
1: you. They might even watch it. They'll just say they hate it. Yeah.
0: Yeah, some folks will hate it without watching it that that's a thing like just start sending it around and look at websites and see if they have a submission box we do at cinema crates i know that larger websites don't have that anymore because they get too much stuff they get too much stuff so don't don't like don't be one in a million in in their inbox this week go start with the smaller sites they might not look like anything but we know each other too So we pay attention to what everybody else posts about. So if three other film reviewers I know have posted about a film they loved, there's a chance I'm going to want to see it.
1: It also makes them easier to share. So if there's something up on a website, people can just click share, and that pops up on Facebook, Then other people share it on Facebook, and then, you know, Twitter, whatever.
0: And put them on your own page, on YouTube and Vimeo, because it it backs it comes back to you. So there's there's a connection to you, and you can see the likes, and you can see the comments, and leave the comments open. They're not going to be nice. Sometimes they're not all going to be good. Some of them are going to be good. Some of them are going to be bad. You're going to get trolls. It's just life. We get trolls all the time. I used to get trolls because I would get told that. How does she know about horror movies? She's a woman. When I started, so like, we had to fight that for a long time. And it still randomly happens when I hate a movie that somebody has loved and they think I'm wrong and they're looking for a reason and they can't find one. They'll attack the fact that I'm a woman that happens. Just I don't worry about it. Just don't worry about it. But leave your comments open because you might get a comment from somebody from a website that goes, hey, I'd like to interview you. How do I reach out to you? Like that kind of stuff. And if you have contact info, like put it in there, put it on your website, or put a link to your website on which you have a contact form. That way they can't directly grab your email and spam you. Because if folks have to click four times, they're not going to bother to spam you. But if they want to reach you, they will do it. Like put it out there for people to see and be open to the comments because it's not all going to be nice, but even the bad comments can teach you something. Usually the bad comments will teach you more than the, I
3: love it.
1: <laughs> right. <laughs> so, uh, well, you mentioned there about people people who said, uh, what do you know about horror movies? You're a woman. Um, has that gotten better over time? I assume it has.
0: It has, but it still happens. We still see it occasionally. We have the capacity to delete comments on our website. I don't know if Felix ever de- deletes anything really bad because – I don't know if we still get them because I don't see them. (laughs) We might still get them. I should probably ask him. Uh, When I started reviewing more action films for a while, I got some of that too. Like, how does a woman know about that? And then I'm like, what? (laughs) I've been watching action films since I was a kid. Not the number I watch per year. Please don't give me that. And it's always been something like that, too. Like I, I, I used to get as a starting film reviewer that women didn't know about film in general, not even a genre, just film in general. That's thankfully not a thing anymore. They don't really say that anymore. But I'll get the occasional pissed off person that doesn't know what to say and goes for that. And I feel that it's one of those like, they don't have anything else to fall back on. So they go for that. Or they're trying to go low and hit you and like insult you. And to me, it's like, sorry, dude. You didn't like my review. <laughs> it's life. <laughs> if she tell me I have a typo, I'll go fix that. <laughs> but, but like, cause that happens sometimes. Like we we published a review and we had to go back and change one of the actress's last name because she got married in between. Oh, okay. So we went in there and oh, fixed it. Oh, that was though. very nice of you. We don't mind doing that. That's that's not a problem. If a movie changes title, because it will happen when a movie between the time it's made and the time it's distributed, we might have seen it at a festival around the middle, and at distribution, they change the name. Then we'll go and correct the name. That's not that's not a big deal, like typos, names, that kind of stuff. But if you think I'm wrong about my opinion, it's staying. <laughs>
1: Was that ever an issue at uh, the festivals or conventions or primarily people online?
0: Primarily primarily people behind their screens will have the balls to tell you that kind of stuff. At conventions, it, it used to be, it's not an issue anymore. And it's potentially partially because one, I'm older than I used to be and I don't tolerate it. <laughs> when I was younger too, I worked conventions and like mini skirts and high heels and, now I don't have the patience for that stuff, so I worked them in jeans and T-shirts. Uh, but we would get, and I'm not the only one, I'm saying we because we had a, f- a full crew of women on our team, we would all get harassed at conventions. It was ridiculous. And I started working festivals when I was like 18. And, and you know, getting harassed by fans, by filmmakers sometimes by actors that are really ridiculously famous that will talk to you boobs for a couple hours. It's like, when you're 18, it's uncomfortable. When you're 40, you're like, yo, dude. <laughs> you, there's, a, there's a thing where you, you learn to just put them in their place eventually. And I know I still see it happen with the younger girls at conventions, but there's also been a big change in that when I started going to conventions, my first convention was a Fangoria show. In the whole entire panel room of the convention It was probably five women. Now it's about 50-50. So that makes a big difference. So like if a girl or a woman is worried about that going into a convention, don't just go, just go, just go. There's a bunch of us. If you're uncomfortable, find one of us that have been here forever. It's easy. We're easy to spot. We're the ones in the ugly sneakers (laughs) because we're comfortable. We have all our gear attached to us and usually a press badge. (laughs) We're the ones that have been doing this forever. Like come find one of us. And we'll help you. And also know that a lot of the guests, I've seen a lot of stuff. When I was younger, like, I've seen some stuff. And I've had, at one convention, I had a guy follow me around absolutely everywhere the whole day. And when I walked by, I think it was, that was Kane Hodder's table. Kane was like, are you good? Are you good? Like, they, they know. They see it. They see it from afar. So they will literally, like, step in. Like I've seen others step in. Like Kane only asked me if I was good. And i was like, he's following me, but you can't come home with me. I get in my car and I leave.
2: Kane is a great guy to have as your bodyguard.
0: The- <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't want to put that kind of pressure on him. He's a sweetie. That's I've very never- convenient. He's a sweetie. I don't really, I don't feel like I need a bodyguard, but like, if there's a problem, like go to someone who works for the convention, go to one of the regulars, like people will tell you like, don't worry about it. Like, we got it. Like, we'll, we'll, we'll help you. Or if you go to security at the convention, they'll handle it. It's their job. It's literally their job. They might look imposing, but it's their job. Like, and a lot of conventions in the last, I'd say, five years have added new rules that if you attend, those are the rules that are like when you buy your ticket, it's part of the terms or whatever. And one of them is that started a few years back is co- cosplay is not consent. So it's not because a girl is wearing a gold bikini that you can touch her. So like, and they do take it seriously. They will ban people. We've seen it happen. So don't think that it's just for show. We've seen it happen at big conventions, at film festivals. Like I know that some people have been banned from big film festivals. They're not allowed to come back because they've harassed people. So just say something to someone. And if you're too shy, go to a lady first and they'll help you. Like, we've done it. We'll take you to them. Some of us have been there for 20 years. So we we come with the decor. Like, we're part of the deal. And if it happens the other way around, if you're a dude and is made uncomfortable by someone, reach out to somebody else. Like Don't worry. Like, we'll never make fun of you if you're a guy who's being harassed. Like, that's just as bad. We don't see it as much. But I know it exists. So, like... Don't worry, like if you're a cosplayer, if you're just attending, if you're worried about anything, if you're scared of something, like, say something to someone someone will help you. Even if it's not convention staff, like someone will step in with you.
1: Okay. Uh, Trista, do you have a question?
2: <laughs> what do you think are the best and worst parts of your job?
0: The best is, I get to see pretty much all the movies I wanna see. The worst is, some of those movies are
1: bad. <laughs> you also get the ones you don't want. No, really.
0: Yeah, there's, there's sometimes like you think you want to see a movie, then you watch it, and you're like, oh my god, what <laughs> am I gonna do with this? It's so bad. Like if you don't know, like you don't know how many bad movies a year we watch as film reviewers. Like we get a lot of stuff. I will review them. Most of them, anyways. But if something is just horrendous. I will occasionally reach out to the PR and be like, hey, you you don't want that review. Trust me, you don't. It's really rare that I will do that. But there has to be a good relationship between reviewers and PR people. Because if you keep like super negative reviews, they'll stop sending you stuff. (laughs) Uh, But generally speaking, like I will review everything that I'm supposed to that I get. But I do watch a lot more than what I get for review. And and it's kind of a joke that I've had with another reviewer friend. It's like, we watch poo, so you don't have to. <laughs> like, like, we will guide you away from the bad movies and towards the good movies. So to do that, you have to watch all these terrible movies. Uh, the further along you get in your career, the least you get less and less of the really bad stuff because we have kind of – you you become able to see, like, when the PR pitch comes in, oh, yeah, no, I'm not doing that. Like, you know the story, and you're like, oh, no, like, no. But that's probably the best and the worst. But also, it's a lot more work than people think it is. Because <laughs> you have, sometimes you have to look up actors' names, because you saw them on screen, and you have no idea who they are. <laughs> that's where I live on IMDb, practically, because there's their picture and then their name. And please, if you're an actor, put your headshot on your IMDb, please. So I know who you are in the movie. (laughs) Because then I have to go and like plop the names and put them in Google images and then look at this. Because sometimes the character's name are not clear in your movie. Mm -hmm. And then we look for it. And so it's a lot more work. And that's like people like, oh, that must be so much fun. All you do is watch movies. Like, oh no, all I do is watch movies, research a movie, write about the movie, make sure I don't make a mistake, send it in, make sure we have a picture that's in the format that will work. (laughs) Most good PR companies will send you photos. A lot of them don't, (laughs) of the smaller ones don't. (laughs) And that's part of what will make your work more difficult. So when people think like it's just fun and games, and the film festival sounds like I'm sitting there watching movies 10 hours a day, but I still need to review those movies. And 10 hours is probably five movies that I still need to do. And then I need to go network. And you think networking is just partying? No, it's not. It's actually work. <laughs> That's why personally I drink like one drink while I go networking, one alcoholic drink and everything else is water because I don't want to be the drunk girl. Th- that, that makes the rounds quick. If you're the drunk girl at the party, everybody knows Or the drug guy, everybody knows. It's like everybody thinks it's like this big fun thing that we just get to sit down on our couch and watch movies and then quick, 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 write a review. No, a review is not a five-minute deal. Like there's a lot of work in there. It's still fun. And the day it's not fun anymore, then you go do something else.
1: Uh, There's something I've always wondered about. Is there really any benefit to like a really bad review for like an independent movie? I know there's people who just like negative, but I always thought that about their own website. Like if it's a really, if it's like an independent movie and you just didn't really like it all, I don't see what the benefit to anyone is even putting that review up.
0: There's no real point in if it's purely negative. Mm -hmm. So like look for something good. If there's absolutely nothing good, if you don't feel like you should, review it, then let them know, because they're waiting for it. That's the thing. If they sent you their movie, they're waiting for the review. So, like, be honest, but be nice to them, because I've gotten movies that were just so bad. And, and we try to be fair to everybody, and we try to, because we can't just review what we love, of course. Like, we can't. We, we can't, we have to be fair and review everything good, bad. Otherwise, what's the point?
1: Otherwise, you know, people, if you just said you liked everything, then.
0: Yeah, if you like everything, there's no point. There's no point to what you're doing because all you're doing is liking everything. Mm-hmm. But like as much as a totally, totally negative review is not really useful. A totally, totally, totally positive review that's just gushing and gushing and gushing with no real explanation to it. There's no real point to that either. Like I tried to say like this week I, I published a review for Swan Song and it's like a 4.5 out of 5 kind of film. Like it's really good. It's not going to be for everyone. So it's an independent film, but it's, it's really, really good. But like, I don't just want to say, hey, this is really good. Like that's not a review.
3: Right.
0: Like why? Like why? <laughs> like why? And go into it. And that's where knowing film comes into play as well. Because like in that one, I know I speak about the cinematography of it. you have to understand that. And for me, cinematography might be a little more uh, important because I'm a photographer. (laughs) So (laughs) framing and lighting and all of that is something that I've studied. And I know that's not the case with everyone, but everybody can tell you if it looks good or it doesn't. Or it's too dark, it's too bright. or But sometimes it's on purpose that it's too bright. So you have to you have to understand that when you talk about that, that you have to your reviews can't just be like this little teeny tiny like, hey, I love it. Everybody's cool. Everybody's good. Or everybody sucks. (laughs) Those are not reviews. Those are just anybody on Twitter. (laughs) Because we get plenty of that on Twitter, on Facebook, on anywhere. You get lots of that. And if you just want to do a 15 second review, get yourself a TikTok account. You'll get millions of followers and you'll be able to do your thing. Like Everybody does it differently. We do the 600 to 900-word type of reviews because we like to get into it.
1: So uh, where, uh, besides uh, Cinema Craze, where's other places people can see your uh, work?
0: My reviews and interviews are all on Cinema Craze at this point. Um, Before that, I was with Idle Hands, um, and they changed the address to their blog, so I'm not sure anymore. But if you Google Idle Hands blog, And you go into their Flickr account. I used to do convention coverage for them. So I did toys and collectibles photography. Oh, cool. Which is a lot of work on the convention floor, surrounded by 150,000 people. 150,000 of your closest strangers. Uh, (laughs) And and, uh, I did a lot of their photography. My name on their photos is a little different because I was married at the time. So they're all under Emily Netzel. But I have a few hundred thousand photos on there, I think. (laughs) And before that, I worked for Dread Central, and my byline was changed there to follow Emily Black. So if you look for my name, you'll find what I did. Um, The galleries were taken down because they weren't, they were just using space and people weren't checking them out. So those are gone. Um, I've uploaded some of that to my Instagram, but you have to scroll way, 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 way to the bottom. So if you're patient, you'll find them. Uh, but it's convention coverage that I did a lot for, for them. I did some reviews cause I ended up at film festivals where nobody else was going. Literally. I've been to a film festival. There was four people in a room. Oh really? Oh. Yeah. In big bear. Uh, <laughs> it was fun for me. I got to go to big bear. Uh, <laughs> and at the time I was married and I took my husband with me and he was sitting there with me. So it was the two of us and two more people at the screening. <laughs> that was very very interesting so there were just one review across the whole internet for those movies because this I was the only press person in the room <laughs> but like yes Dread Central doesn't have a whole lot left Idle Hands has a lot but it's under my married name because I never got it changed on there because it would mean going to every one of those photos and renaming myself <laughs> <laughs> and and yeah my reviews for now are all at cinema craze that don't really work for anyone else right now
1: yeah, might be crash? eventually huh? yeah, uh, we mentioned trista but you've done a bunch of uh of uh, interviews for uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh
0: we have i think we have 18 posted so far not not 18 more than 18
1: maybe 20 since it's 20 30
0: 32 32 because it's two a day but we didn't post anything on sundays So about 32 at this point posted, I've got a total of 56 that I've responded with their their interviews and I've got 17 pending response. So it's a really good response rate. I'm surprised because usually response rate is max a third, max. And I got almost, I'd say almost everyone at this point. (laughs) It feels like, like I got more than 80% responded already. And of the ones that haven't responded, like I sent them a reminder. Cause it's a busy month and I know everybody's doing so much other stuff at the same time. And it's women, women in horror month, So women in the genre are all getting pinged on every which way, every which side. So we just, I just remind them, I reminded them once last week and some of them said, Oh yeah, I'll get you over the weekend. So, you know, by Monday, we'll see how high we are in our response rate, but it's, it's looking good Very
3: cool. posting
0: two a day. And we tried to do, well, I tried to do, because I'm the one that did all of them. Uh, I tried to do not just directors. I did directors, writers, actresses, producers, special effects, authors, uh, anybody, any woman that worked in a creative field in the horror genre, I wanted to get involved. Because I want women out there that are working in those fields, and it's not necessarily easy to know that we don't just think about the directors when we think about that. And for us, like, it's not just one type. It's not just, you know, actresses, great. I love it because they're the ones everybody recognizes. But then, like, who knows their producers? (laughs) And I know a lot of girls and women. I shouldn't call them girls. They're women. (laughs) A lot of the ladies have produced their own work to be able to get their work out there. So when they say I'm a writer, director, producer, we leave the producer in there. Because a lot of folks will eliminate it because you don't think about it but it's important because it means that they produce their own work. So it shows to other people like, Hey, maybe you're not getting the jobs. Maybe you can produce it yourself. It's going to be hard. But it's going to be worth it. So it's, it's yeah. And everybody's like referring us to other women. That's why one of my questions, like who else in the genre, should we pay attention to? And I don't just mean actresses and directors. I mean, anybody we've been getting a lot and funny enough, <laughs> Probably at this point, 60% of the ladies have said uh, Gigi Guerrero. (laughs) So that's that's fantastic because she's doing so great for herself.
1: Yeah, yeah, she's She's been on the show a bunch of times.
0: Yeah, and I've shot with her. She's been my model. (laughs) It's been one of those, like, her name keeps coming back. And I'm like, all right, this is great. But I want everybody to give me, like, names of people we don't (laughs) think about necessarily. Like, I love her. I love her. And I'm so glad everybody does, too. I also want names of people I don't know. So that next year I can go to those people and be hi, we're gonna cover you. Because <laughs> so and so said you're important. Yeah. Because I want them to know that they're important too, because some of them have only one thing produced at this point, and they're doing their best. And some of them are working against the odds where they are. I mean, the US is one way of working, Canada is a different way of working. We have folks from Australia, we have folks from England, I have a couple from Germany. I, we have some from all around the world, almost. I would love to get more from other countries where we don't think about them as horror producers. Maybe next year.
1: <laughs> yeah, And uh, uh, Trista here set up most of the guests this month. And uh, kind of on the, uh, what you're saying there, she asked a lot of people that I wouldn't have thought about in different fields uh, in horror.
0: Yeah. And the ladies of horror all know each other at this point. <laughs> <laughs> cause we're all brought into the same stuff all the time together. So we know each other, but we also know some that are lesser known. And that's why I personally brought in Jamie farting. Cause she was, she's with Savage Zach. I do a lot of photography with her, but I've seen her work and her work is excellent. People haven't seen her work yet. That's why I brought her in. Uh, so that I could give her a little bit of what the others are getting basically. And also because um that's always a little bit harder to talk about, like Tomas that I had brought into uh, Cinema Crazy passed away last summer, and he was our business partner, and she's working on finishing his film. So it's going to have his name on it because it's his film, but she's the one who's doing all the legwork to get it finished. So I wanted her to be included so that others see that you might be behind the scene, but you still matter.
1: Chris, uh, do you have another question? <laughs>
2: Yeah, I read some of those interviews, and they were really interesting. And and like you mentioned, uh, a lot of them are people I know already just from working in the industry. But I, I really loved reading them, and, and thank you uh, for uh, the exposure for these uh, women that truly deserve it. I'm wondering, um, what do you think you learned uh, the most from uh, those interviews?
0: Well, you know, you you always hear about women being catty about each other. That's
2: not the
3: case, yo.
0: (laughs) Read these interviews and see how much people are like pushing for each other in these interviews. Like I've even got some that are coming up for posting soon because I've read all of them, whether they're posted or not, because I go over them to make sure nobody made some ridiculous typo (laughs) so that I can make sure that, you know, capitalizations is right and like. Nobody said something that made them sound ridiculous because they made a typo and they forgot a word. If they do, I send it back to them like, is that really what you meant here? Because this makes you sound really mean. I'm sure that's because the rest of the interview is super nice, but this bit. So yeah. I, I got that, those emails you sent me. You got my revisions. out. <laughs> yeah. So that, Thank yeah. So if there were revisions needed, like we, that's why I read them ahead of time, but that's what I noticed. Like some of them will literally say like, Hey, if you're new in the business, come to me, I've got you. <laughs> like, I'll tell you what, where to go and where not to go. Uh, but like, it's not just like the whole like uplifting each other. there's also like a support. Like they're talking about their influences and who's important to them, but I also made sure to ask everybody to tell us who to look at. because that's how that's how you bring up people that people haven't heard of yet. because like I got uh, Sarah French's interviews coming up. People know who she is because we we've seen her a bunch. So it's easy to know about her, but then she can give us ideas on who to go. Two, she's, she's more open because she loves everybody. <laughs> it's just how Sarah is. She loves everyone. But like, I've also interviewed like authors that are a little lesser known. And uh, Morgan, Morgan Electra, I've known her for like 20 years because we were on those old message boards together. <laughs> she's become an author since then. And she used to be a, a hired writer. Like they would tell her what to write and she'd write about it. And now she writes what she wants. And she gave me a list of authors, of female authors, that half of them I'd never heard of before. So that's what the point of that whole thing is. It's like, talk about yourself, tell us what you're doing, but also create like a big support of each other. Because also at the same time, a lot of them, a lot of the ladies I've interviewed have said that they've been reading all the interviews. So you never know. One of the directors that I've interviewed might see somebody else for the first time and be like, I love her special effects. I want her. Like, so that's kind of the goal. It's not just to give, it's not just to give exposure to each person individually or to the fact that there's women in horror. Like I read some stats recently that are just so sad. Something like women directors are 6% of the industry. Six? That's, no, there's more than that. Give them the work. (laughs) So it's, yes, it's important to say, hey, they're here. They're great. Please do hire them. But it's also like, hey, ladies, let's hire each other a little bit, just a little bit. When I do my photo shoots, my FX girls are FX girls. They're ladies. I could hire dudes. That'd be easy. They're everywhere. But it's also just as easy to find a woman to do a job that's usually done by a man. And that's why like so far my calendars behind the scene work is 100% women in front of the camera. We've had more women than men, but it's mostly because when you look for models, women are like, me, and dudes are like, wait, what? <laughs> so it's been like one of those where for the models, has been a little reversed. Women are all willing to model and men are like, huh, what? Why would I do that? So it's been harder to find dudes and finding women has been easier. But for the behind the scenes work, they, it's been because I know these women, I've been able to hire them and get them to work with me. Or we we do a lot of trade. A lot of the photography stuff is on trade, um, so everybody makes no money. But at the same time, everybody gets work for their portfolios. Um, that way, I can bring a newer, I can bring a newer photo assistant to work with someone like Cynthia Rock, who's been in the industry since the '90s in the action industry, and she's been modeling since then. So it's easy because these women like her and um, say Tiffany Sheppes, they know what they're doing. So if you bring an assistant who doesn't fully know what they're doing yet, it's okay. It's going to still look good, but they're going to learn with you. They're going to learn with people who know. So I wanted to kind of do the same for film and authors, and because like a film director might see a writer, and then they might see their book, and then they might want to tap that book. Like it's, I know it's probably a really lofty goal, <laughs> but that's kind of what I want to do with it all. Help people connect because connect is all you get the work done.
1: So uh, Cinema Crazed is a website. Yeah, I have the link here. People can. uh
3: have the
0: link, great. <laughs> yeah. Because we have that awkward dash in the middle. Uh, we had to have it. The other one was taken, but nobody's using it, but it's taken. Uh, <laughs> so we had to have it. It's cinema-crazed.com.
1: Very good. And it's been great. It's been very nice to talk with you.
0: It's been nice to be here.
2: Yeah, thank you so much. I think a lot of your advice is really sound and really practical. And I, I think aspiring creators will get a, a lot out of
0: it. So I, hope so. I hope so. And if you have films, just send them to us. Where's that's going to happen is we don't have time because that does happen where we just have too many movies. There's, there's three of us. So <laughs> there's three of us and we don't really have any kind of budget to get more people. So <laughs> but we'll try to get to it.
1: Very good. All right. And I'm going to go check out Bloody Mallory if I can find
0: (laughs) it. She can't find it. She can't let me know. (laughs) Well, thank you again. Thank you. Thank you, Emily. Bye. 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 Bye.
1: Thanks for watching. Take care.